We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to yet another BuzzBeat podcast episode, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. In case you didn't know, we are live on all of the platforms today, Twitter video, Twitch, YouTube. Um, I'm sure there are some other ones I'm not thinking of right now, but those are certainly the first three that come to mind where you can interact with us. Uh, Feel free to submit your comments or questions in the chat. Also, if you'd like to learn more about BuzzBeat Plus, which is our private pod feed where you get ad-free episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content, please visit buzzbeat.substack.com. On today's episode, I'll be joined by, this is Brian, by the way, I'll be joined by Spencer. Lee, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Uh, Richie is in the background uh, pushing all the buttons and making sure this thing uh, runs as smoothly as possible. But on today's episode, as we're getting down to the end of the year here, uh, we will give New Year's resolutions to players, personnel, coaches within the Hornets organization. We are resolutions, guys, and we're going to try to have resolutions for a team that seems to lack resolve often. So we're going to try to give them some, some guidance here. But I will try to. I'll go ahead and lead off here. We again, we're picking we, the options for this podcast. The options for this podcast were to do um, coaches. They could be anyone in the ownership group, people in the front office, certainly players. Really, anyone. If if anyone wanted to do Hugo the Hornet, if there were some critiques on the broadcast <laughs> or or the mascots or whatever, like it, the floor was open. But I'm going to start here with the guy that I think is really is the most important person, individual, with this Hornets franchise, um, maybe aside from Michael Jordan. But that, that, would be, uh, that would be LaMelo Ball. And the resolutions that I'm going with for him, it's sort of like two-tier. It's not going to be anything that we haven't already sort of discussed previously on this podcast. But my resolution for him this year, and probably into 2024 and 2025, because I don't know if this is going to be something you just flip a switch and all of a sudden you do in one year. But hey, what the heck? Let's let's aim high here. But my resolution for LaMelo Ball will be on the offensive side of the court to really make a big stride as being a pull-up um, three-point shooter out of the pick and roll specifically. 
LaMelo has so many gifts offensively, the passing, the creativity, the floor vision, the shooting touch, all of the weird idiosyncratic things he can do that are really, really special, can drive positive offense, can drive winning, can involve everyone in the flow of the offense. Like He really does have a good sense for, I think, what to do with the basketball, when to get off of it, how to cut and move and get back on it. And I don't think we're ever going to see LaMelo in some sort of pure heliocentric role where he is. I mean, we're, I guess we have seen it to an extent, you know, last, some of last season, maybe at times this season. But in terms of this team ultimately finding uh, a jump to its next level, I think, you know, LaMelo is going to be in some sort of role that's going to allow him to be on the basketball a ton, obviously, but it certainly have off-ball usage, connector responsibility, spot-up shooting. He's been such a good spot-up shooter uh, his first you know, two and a half seasons in the NBA, and you want to keep that um, involved, and it would also allow you to sort of like limit some of his deficiencies on the basketball, and we'll get to that, maybe more of that in a second. But over LaMelo's first two seasons shooting pull-up threes, according to NBA.com, first two years combined, 111 of 332. That's, you know, a little over, it's about 33.5%, which is not terrible. Honestly, it's about, that was about 17% of his total field goal attempts. Um, this season, he's up to 25 of 67 on pull-up three-point attempts, 37%. That's close to 28% percent of of his total field goal attempts so he's taking with them with a little bit more frequency this year um and he shot a good clip only four of 15 over the last three games though and of course all of this comes with the obvious small sample size caveat like i mean he's played 12 games he's played a dozen games so far this season and he's fouled out of several of them so it's like we it doesn't feel like we've really gotten like a, a representative sample of what where Lamelo is Obviously, he's dealt with several injuries, too, so um, that gets probably baked into this cake as well. But my thought with LaMelo is because he is clever and he's such an intuitive player and he's he's he can be quick. Um, I don't we don't think he's the obviously he's not the strongest, nor does he have the sort of like the most explosive first step. But if we're trying to think about ways to get him downhill, cave in defenses, collapse defenses, one of the ways to access doing that or sort of like make things a little bit easier for him would be for if, if LaMelo could sort of jump up to being someone that shot on volume in the upper thirties on threes. But if, if LaMelo could start to kind of geek out some more defenses, force those coverages, whether it's the screen defender having to come up closer to the level or it's the, the point of attack defender having to fight harder to get over the screen, that's going to allow LaMelo to turn the corner more, get downhill. And from there, you, you have a defense. Um, you've got the kickouts. You've got the lobs. You've got the the rim finishes. Like all of the, the, the floor opens up. So it's a big ask, to be clear. But if LaMelo could really make a big step as like a pull-up three-point shooter out of the pick and roll especially, I think it would go a lot. And then the just to to add to that, the next thing would be would be for LaMelo to not let drop coverage off the hook too. I think it's interesting when you look at LaMelo's shot diet this year, only 19% of his field goal attempts are within four feet of the rim. Um, that's down from 28% last season. That's down from 39% his rookie year. 
His free throw attempt rate is also down to 13%. It was 19 and a half last year, 25% as a rookie. Um, it should be noted more of LaMelo's rim finishes have been unassisted this year, which I do think is somewhat of a positive indicator. Despite all of that, he's still shooting 49% on twos and has an effective shooting clip of 53%. I think some of that's been been boosted by him being really, really good on short floaters. Um, so the short mid-range shots. And it's great that he can do that. He's probably due for some regression in terms of that. Like, I don't think he's going to shoot 50% on those all season, which he currently is according to cleaning the glass. But I would like for those, we all know those shots with Lamelo now, the weird runners, the weird floaters from awkward angles and from, from distances that a lot of people don't shoot from all the time. And he can make them at a good clip. Like he's always been in the like 40% kind of range for those shots, his career, but 40% shooting 41% on those types of shots. Isn't the same thing as being able to get to the rim, get rim pressure, get layups, get draw fouls, uh, drop off passes to guys like Mark Williams for dunks, put back opportunities for guys like Nick Richards for dunks or for tip slams or for, you know, and one opportunities. So my, my hope for LaMelo would be there'd be a little bit of a mentality shift. And it's hard because I know this, this team is not very good. The paint, the spacing is not always good in the half court. Um, and he's coming off an injury to, to an ankle. Um, so you want to take, you want to factor all of that in. And my resolution for him would be to become more aggressive from a mentality standpoint, really attacking the space when it's available. So two resolutions for LaMelo. Spencer, I'd love to know what you think about them, which would be taking a jump, making a leap as a pull-up three-point shooter. And then in those in-between spaces, when he has the runway to get to the rim, not letting drop defenders off the hook by taking those. I mean, they're artful and fun to watch, but those kind of like weird runners, floaters, and in, in uh, mid-range shots that he uh, he's sort of like known for. Yeah, I I mean I think you nailed it. If I dug in, I would probably present the same two things on Lamelo. You know, in terms of that that mid-range area that you're talking about, <laughs> you, you used the word you know artful. I mean, it is always going to be a part of Lamelo's game, right? Like it's just something very unorthodox. It's something different. You really don't see any other player in the league shooting. These one one legged runners from above the foul line, stuff like that. I mean, I think that is always going to be an aspect of his game. But yeah, you're right. Like chipping away at being more creative in that space, finding ways to keep his dribble alive, working on different moves, getting to the Euro more often. And Brian, I think honestly, like with Lamella, when I watch him play, the one thing I just wish he'd do more of is just try to be a more physical offensive player. And I know that's tough to ask, you know, I mean, his usage rates out of control this year, you know, it, it is a very heliocentric kind of feel right now, as you were mentioning, and that's part because that's who Lamelo is a player, but it, it's also part of this roster. I mean, he just has to be that guy right now, but I do want him to, I want to see him play through contact more often. Um, you know, it's a, it's a risk reward proposition. It brings in more injury, you know, possibilities, things like that, but it's going to collapse the defense more often. It's going to give Lamelo more opportunities to to be that awful passer um, that he can be, and it's just a more efficient way to play basketball, right? Um, so you know, getting to the rim more often, I think you nailed it. Um, so just finding the right balance between 
being that artist in that mid-range area uh, because he is good with that shot, but also understanding as a basketball player and, and, and a leader on the court that the more often I'm getting to the rim, the better the team's going to be. Um, you know, the pull-up three stuff is – we'll see. You know, I, I don't I don't really ever see a real high ceiling, you know, for LaMelo with that, but I do think – what did you say for his career now? Like he is, he's what? His first two seasons, he was like 33.5%. Uh, this season, he's 37%, but it's on, you know – Fewer than seventy total attempts. So right, small, small sample. Yeah. He's been an he's been an elite catch and shoot guy for two and a half years, and he's been an elite foul yeah. shooter. So I think it's we know he has touch. We know he has uh, shooting skill because there are a lot of positive indicators yeah. to point to that, including the what he's able to do on those like sort of weird funky floaters and runners. But yeah, it's like ultimately, I don't I don't envision him being you know a Kemba or a Dame Lillard type pull-up three-point sure. shooter. But we've seen even someone like John Morant make steps in this, right? And all of a sudden, John Morant geeks okay. out these coverages in different ways now. And certainly, LaMelo doesn't have like the the burst like John. I mean, no one really does at that position at this point until I mean, we'll see Scoot Henderson next season in the NBA. But for now, I just think that would really help LaMelo compensate for some of the... Uh, the the lack of uh of like just pure pure elite high level high end burst and speed we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You know, and I think, and we will see this where this roster goes moving forward and what kind of, you know, backcourt running mate LaMelo might have. But, you know, we used to talk about this with Kimba too, but just giving him more reps off the ball is going to, unlock more of that creativity right um i mean the pull-up three yeah it's it's super important obviously but you know getting Lamelo off the ball teaching him to be a a witty cutter you know playing in those gaps playing in those spaces that he's that he's good at uh i'm i'm excited of the potential of another ball dominant guard that might be yeah. his running man i think point. i also think there's ways for them to scheme some of this stuff up and it, it's not like it has to be super creative. And it, this is stuff that they certainly would try this with, um, you know, with under James Borrego. But 
I, I like when you can get LaMelo off ball to start the possession. Like you stash him in the the left corner. You run a five out handoff set where someone like Richards or Plumley or Mark Williams now, they have the ball in the middle of the court. You set a pin down for LaMelo coming out of the corner. LaMelo comes off that pin down into a DHO with the center. And I think that would kind of, I, I like that aspect because it would allow LaMelo to build up a little bit of momentum before he's going into the the screen exchange. If you're doing this with Williams, maybe you're you're now discovering a guy that can be a real pressure point on the rim if he's going to dive. If PJ is the one that sets that pin down screen for LaMelo before he goes into the handoff, well then PJ or if it's Gordon, you know, those guys could uh can shake up from the from the corner back to the wing. So all of a sudden you just got a downhill opportunity for LaMelo. Maybe help comes at the nail, but if you've got Rozier space to the the, the weak side wing, well, then LaMelo's got an obvious kick out for a spot-up three there. Or you could put Gordon or PJ there, too. I mean, any of those guys can really shoot. But all of a sudden, you got the kick-out option. If the runway's there, LaMelo can get downhill, get all the way to the rim. If the dive is, if you know, there's no tag, you know, lob it to Williams. Give it to him on the roll. He's going to try to punch it. And if there is a hard tag from the guy coming off of the corner uh, on the strong side, well, then just pitch it back to PJ, you know, who's going to shake up from the corner. That's a, that's an action like they've done that before. PJ's very good at those kind of like shake, reload, relocation threes. So I think there are ways you can scheme it up a little bit and make it a little bit easier for LaMelo as opposed to it just being one five flat pick and roll. But um, but anyways, I think there are ways you can try to dial up a little bit more downhill drives for him. I do think the rest of this season for LaMelo should be about... It's like defensive... I think it should be about creating habits and good habits. But my hope would be that part of that shouldn't just be like finding uh, like what... Um, shouldn't be just like doing what works now. It should be trying to explore the space a little bit too and testing stuff out. And because he's still just 21 years old, this is still just his third season. He really hadn't played that many, that much NBA basketball at this point. And so I want him to constantly be tinkering with his game, working on his game. I think what is nice is that even though the rim volume has gone down this season, it's not turning into like more mid-range shots. He's just taken more threes so far, which is kind of interesting, actually. Like I think 53% of his field goal attempts this season have been from deep, which is pretty high, even for a you know on-ball guard that has a ton of usage or whatever. So I want to keep I want him to develop habits, but I do want this guy to constantly be tinkering and experimenting and seeing what works and seeing other ways that he can really influence the defenses at the rim and at the point of attack uh, in pick and roll coverages. And I think that that can really start with the pull-up three-point shooting and in some of those short mid-range attempts, just being 10% more aggressive or 10% more willing to go into contact. So it's kind of, it can be a mentality thing too. Well, you know, you mentioned creating good habits. Uh, I think you were kind of talking on the defensive side of the ball when you said that. And so maybe do, do we want to alternate these resolutions? Cause I think that might be a good segue. So one of mine um, that I'm going to talk about is Steve Clifford and, you know, want to qualify by saying, you know, we don't, we don't know how long Steve Clifford's going to be in Charlotte. I, it, it's hard to tell at this point if he's 
a holdover coach, uh, or they're they're really serious about moving forward with him, regardless of who the Hornets end up drafting, you know, this summer and what the roster looks like next season with with cap space coming up. You know, I think Steve Clifford is good for Lamelo Ball in some aspects, specifically defensively. He will help Lamelo create better habits defensively, and I, and I think we're already seeing some of that. Honestly, I mean, I think Lamelo has actually been pretty. I, th- I think he's been okay defensively this year. Last night was, uh, and I haven't got through the whole game yet either, Brian. But a, but a really good, I thought Lamelo defensive game. Um, I do think I do think it helps. This is where Clifford helps is that they're just not doing as much of like the sort of like scatter shot, slap dash yeah, trap right. that they did so much yeah. the last two seasons. Just like that played into I think some of like the the genius of Lamelo, like the interceptions he could get playmaking in space, but also it. It uh it encouraged some of his bad habits on on that end of the court too I would say and so I just think getting away from that has probably been been helpful yeah. overall yeah so you know I think that I think my resolution for Clifford is and it goes in a few different directions but lean into this situation you know lean into this ten and twenty whatever the record is right ten and twenty six team is lean in to getting these young players on the court as much as possible. Um, what we saw last night from Mark Williams was super encouraging. He looked amazing. Now, in the past, with these Charlotte teams, we've seen young players get in, have good moments, and then inevitably, the, whoever it is that, that was injured or out for whatever reason comes back, and we kind of fold the chairs back down and say, all right, youngster, you know, go back over here to the bench and, and, and let's watch. But this is the perfect opportunity for Charlotte to just pull the plug on on some of these veterans, get these young guys out there. And I think it also helps Steve Clifford putting him in a situation where it's just a tank job might help him as a coach to be more creative. You know, not not having to try to win 44 games, for example, might be a really good thing for Steve Clifford, you know, because I do think the Hornets owe it to themselves to give Clifford a chance, whether or not you think he's long term. Uh, solution as coach, the Atkinson thing happened. It's a sunk cost. You know, you can't do anything about it now. Clifford's here. The roster is young. It's going to get even younger, right? Like so, maybe maybe he is a holdover, and maybe that's how it ends up ends up playing out. But I think the franchise owes it to themselves to give him a chance. So for Steve Clifford, I think he gets better as a coach, especially with a young roster, by getting these kids on the floor. And, you know, I like how you said it a minute ago, just let them, let them explore the studio space. You know, you, you're a coach that's going to naturally demand certain things. Continue to do that. That's good for them. But allow them to make mistakes, get the reps they need, and be creative. Uh, so, I, you know, my re- resolution for Steve is just uh, <clears throat> let's get the youth out there. You know, try to go against your natural uh, inclination to play veterans. Um, and your natural inclination to be uh, hesitant to play youth. Th- this is the time. This is the greatest opportunity you've ever had as an NBA coach to to go to get away from that a little bit, and you might learn some yeah. things. So, I, I think that they're in pretty good position. I, th- I feel like everybody's pretty well connected on kind of where this is going and what we're trying to do from this point forward for the rest of the season. BG, but you know, <laughs> and then Jason's your owner. And Steve Clifford, your head coach, that's not a yeah. recipe of, of leading into losing, yeah. right? So, like, I'm not pulling against this team, of course. I I, I like watching them win, yeah. right? Like, it, it's fun. I, it's it's fun to watch them play good. But 
I, there is that part of me that, that is still a little nervous <laughs> that, you know, a five game winning streak, um, or whatever could, we could find ourselves in a stupid yeah, situation. I mean, you know? it, that's, it's 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 the culmination of like a lot of things. It's sort of like the way the NBA in in a lot you know so much of this is is out of your control too, which is like you know this part of this is a byproduct of the way the NBA is designed, the way the draft is designed, how you're incentivized to behave as a franchise, and then also like what this team has looked like for the last decade under this ownership group. Um, and and sort of like what the goals have been. And so when those two factors are pushing and pulling in different directions, it can leave a team like this feeling kind of rudderless and it makes the highs of winning not feel as good as they should. And that that sucks. That 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 actually really sucks. And it it puts it puts fans in a tough spot, right? It puts media in a tough yeah. spot. It puts employees of the team in a tough spot. It's tricky because it's so obvious what this team should be trying to do. Like it, you yeah. and I talked about this before the season, Spencer. Like it seemed like they needed to hit the they needed to hit the reset button already. And yeah. then you actually get like Lamelo literally got hurt. Like he missed a ton of time this year. Other guy Hayward's missed a lot of time. And if you had known that, if you could have baked in that, okay, Lamelo's going to miss this many games. Gordon's going to miss this many games. Terry's going to miss this many games. You know, it would have further incentivized the the need for them to um, the need for them to hit the reset button. And I and I think I was talking about this with with Richie the other day. But it's like you know, Clifford is so known for, uh, especially you know, in Orlando and in his first tenure in Charlotte, for just like tightening things up on the margins, right? And doing the small stuff mm-hmm. and creating good habits, and that. That it's that alone is worth two or three points per game just by like being smart, rebounding, being set defensively, not turning the ball over, and and that's going to help you win X number of games. This team is, in in a sense, it's lucky that they've either because they're just not that good or through injuries, it's like they're not even good enough to get like the benefit of like the cliff sort of like on the margins, right. you know, stuff, um, yeah. which again is, there, is, there, is, there, is no it, credit yeah. to like how the team has been designed. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they fell yeah. into that totally. And so my hope would be to your, to add on to this, this resolution for cliff would be worry less about like the success of like winning the four factors. You know what I mean? And in 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 like unless it sort of is relating to like creating good habits for some of the young guys, because I do worry like when Nick Richards comes back, what happens to Mark Williams? You know, like ultimately there probably isn't there isn't playing time for like three centers. You know what I mean? Or at least not like enough. This yeah, like and this is this will lead into my next resolution about save it, but like just the three center thing because I I was literally like. We should say it kept me up last night, but I'm like, we need to like trade Miles Plumley. Yeah, yeah. Like, yesterday, mean, yeah. we, we Plumley, like he just needs yeah, to be out it, of here. Like, I, even if we cut him, like it, it doesn't even yeah. matter at this point. Mark Williams and Nick Richards need to play as much basketball as as, as humanly agreed. possible. And you know, Plum, you know like, and what Plumley's a free agent too. It's like there's just no and like he's yeah. there's no incentive to like continue giving him like 25 minutes a night or whatever. Uh, Zero. You know, Zero. so again, I would be looking to trade him aggressively. If not, then j- if nothing's there, 
which I could see there being a small market for Plumley. But if nothing's there, then it's it's time to you know then you got to be thinking you know the buyout line right and just you know get yeah because yeah. because Mark Williams needs the space. It will also if you do that, it may also open the door for more Kai Jones playing time too, right? So like that's that's what that's yeah, one of the other good, sort yeah. of like downstream benefits of it because like you know a couple weeks ago Kai Jones you know perked up and was like doing some stuff and was kind of a part of the rotation and like he's back out now and same thing with Bryce McGowan yeah, and it's exactly. like no no yeah. these guys have to play and if this team is yeah. going to be bad it's like okay we can't be giving this many minutes a night to Mason Plumley and to Kelly Oubre like that stuff's got to go to guys like Bryce McGowan's Nick Richards Mark Williams um heck maybe you you throw James Booknight a bone and, and try to get him back in the back in the rotation <laughs> maybe maybe not That's but podcast, yeah but, but anyway um, so that, I, I agree with you like if i was cliff I, it's tough because like i think steve clifford is like best suited to be like a defensive coordinator assistant yeah for, like a fit for like a championship caliber team uh, or a team that's like that's that wins that's that's like set to win 48 games and then through Clifford's tightening on the margins or whatever, he gets them to be a 50 win team. You know what I mean? It seems that he's, it feels like he's never gotten the ideal roster, the ideal situation. And so I don't know, I guess that's tough, but I still think he has the ability to be a guy that could help if he leans into this rebuild, as you're sort of saying, and leans into playing the young guys that he could get a, a similar level of enjoyment out of seeing growth um, and seeing cohesion in development and that as he maybe he would by having you know putting together a the number seven defense in the nba or whatever so interesting what you just said because i was going to add one more caveat kind of the, to this new year's resolution before i throw it back to to you for your second one but i actually think cliff is more suited to be like a head coach in the nba <clears throat> and i think it can work long term the other thing i was i was going to encourage cliff to do is think creatively to like, I'm going to build my proposal and I'm going to take it to ownership in the off season. And my proposal is going to be why we need to overpay above, you know, above the market for, let's say, an offensive coordinator. I'd love Cliff to be the voice because he is. He is the head coach voice. I think he's good for young players. I think he's good in front of the media. I think fans like him. You know, like all these things matter too. He's 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 just good. He's he's perfect putting in front of the microphone and I do think he's a good coach but if I'm Cliff I'm building my proposal in the offseason take the ownership and say there's three guys that I think are the best offensive minds whatever I don't yeah. know who yeah. these names are but I'm just and but we're gonna have to pay 10% above whatever the market average is to get this guy yeah. here um, I know that's not a habit you know we don't like to really spend <laughs> in Charlotte very much but but I but I can I can unlock things this this person can help yeah. me run a top 10 offense in the NBA while I kind of guide this young team and demand we rebound the basketball, we defend, we don't turn the ball over, all the cliff things that that we know and love. Like I think that I think that could be a long-term fit with a LaMelo led Charlotte Hornets roster. I, it, that's where I'm just like I'm keeping hope that Cliff can be the answer, but it can't just be Cliff, yeah. right? Like he needs help, he needs some offensive creativity. Uh, and I, I, I kind of hope that Cliff in the front office ownership might see, let's go find that yeah. guy. And then, you know, Cliff's not a spring chicken. Maybe that guy is, is set to 
yeah. take over yeah. at some point. You know, yeah. Cl- so, Cliff really did have like one of the sound bites of the season. Maybe these, at least as far as the coaches go, like maybe the sound bite of the year so far. Well, a couple weeks ago, when he when he was like, you know, Lamelo's first game back, and he was mad about the 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 team defensive effort. So yeah, I think you're like. Yeah, Clifford yeah. is a voice. He, I do think people respond to that, and I think it's like, it's you know, good on him also that he went out and said it. Like I, I can critique Steve Clifford in a, in a variety of ways, but that was like that wasn't him like just like going out of his way to take cheap shots at his players. Like you know, I, I think he was sort of speaking right. from the heart there, and I think there was some merit it. Yep. to it, which I think that matters. And I can only tell, but so much from watching these games on TV. And I have no clue what's happening behind the scenes or what's being said behind the scenes. But like, I, I mean, LaMelo seems to have bought in to an extent on, on Steve Clifford. Like it, it yeah. does seem like, you know, there's no like, you know, body language. Again, you can only see so much f- from TV, but the, there does seem to be some positive aspects here. All right. I'm going to go ahead and flip to uh, my next resolution. And this is a guy we've already talked about. So we can keep this thing moving here a little bit. But this one's for Mark Williams which would be my resolution would be broadly speaking would be to just stay ready because you're it's here, man. Like this is it. it you are prove you are playing at a level where it's going to shape not just the next couple of years, but in the immediate future, I think what your role is going to look like, like you don't want to go back to Greensboro, keep doing this um, because you're going to force, uh-huh. you're going to force the front office's hand when you, when you play like this, like you can't, if you're this much of a two-way force, and he had just had a monster game against Oklahoma City that I know Richie's going to get more into, but just an incredible line in that game. Seven of seven shooting, 17 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, um, four offensive rebounds, just a monster game. And he played pretty well um, against Golden State the other night too, I thought. So my hope for a guy like Williams would be Stay ready, and along with that, <clears throat> continue to set hard screens and continue to dive hard. When you get hit on the roll, continue to try to play with force. Continue to try to dunk everything. Put guys into the basket. Get to the free throw line. But continue to set those, continue to run hard, set hard screens, and dive hard. And then on the defensive side of the floor, resolution for him i've talked about this on a previous pod but would just be as much as i love to see the aggression with him trying to block shots the aggression would be or my suggestion excuse you excuse me would be for him to be a little more selective with some of those shot block attempts because i think he has a tendency to overhelp, overextend and then leave the rim exposed for put for put back opportunities or for drop off passes and so he gets caught in the air so if I were, that's a, this is a smaller thing. I think something that will absolutely be like weeded out of his game, and where someone like I think Steve Clifford will be really good for him um, in the in the short term. Watch some Nick Richards film, exactly. Mark Williams. Nick Richards has gotten really, really exactly. Good at this. And it's gonna, it, you know, it's gonna be funny if like the Hornets do end up with the number one pick, and they end up getting Wembenyama, and it's like <laughs> like one Steve. He's like perfect for Steve Clifford, you know, to build a defense around, but like. What do you even do with Mark Williams? I mean, that's like, that's like, that's a good problem to have. You know what I mean? But it's like, I know the next couple of months, I'm going to really like try to drill down and 
hopefully see a lot of Mark Williams get a focus on his development. But like, it is going to be funny if they end up with one and, and they get Victor, you know, like, and all of this stuff with Williams just like is, is just not nearly as important as it feels right now. But anyways, for Mark yeah. Williams, I would say stay ready and continue to play with force. And I think a lot of that has to do with being aggressive, screening, diving and finishing into the pick and roll and being maybe a little less aggressive and a little more refined with the rim protection um, on the defensive side okay. of the floor. Well, I love it. I love it. I think you think you nailed it. So something to monitor for the rest of the season for sure. All right. I'll take my next one. Uh, New Year's resolution. So this is like an ownership slash front office resolution. Let's start with, well, let's. Th- this will be the word. Think creatively. Creativity. Be creative. Take chances. Richie, however you want to, <laughs> um, you know, cherry pick what I'm trying to say here. But I think it's time. You know, LaMelo Ball is on your roster. His extension, second contract is coming up. You're going to have a high draft pick. You know, those things are all almost absolutes at this point, right? Like, you kind of know you're going to have them. This ownership and front office have got to find a way <clears throat> to be more creative in free agency and in the trade market. And I think really, I don't think Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan are incompetent. I'm sure they're smart people. Uh, I'm sure they have smart conversations about potential trades and free agents in meetings, but there's just, there's a lack of a willingness to take chances. You know, I mean, I I think some of the most successful franchises in this league, you know, I think of Toronto, uh, that's probably the best example, but these franchises have been willing to take big time risk that luckily have ended up playing out well for them. But I think that's, that's really, that's what I would ask, you know, the leaders of this franchise to do is if you have an idea, if you have a player out there that maybe you you look at uh, and value more than the league and he's a younger player and, you know, take a chance on trading for that guy. I mean, the Hornets can't be a small market and the most conservative franchise in the NBA. Those two can't coexist. If they do, we're just going to have keep having these conversations over and over and over. And we again. have. Uh, I mean... <laughs> You know? And we have, that's right. Yeah, like this will, this will yeah. never end. This will do, like we are in a simulation that's never changing. So, but it's kind of like the Clifford thing. Like Mitch Kupchak is who we have. Do I think he's the right guy for the job? No, I I, I don't. I mean, Mitch Kupchak is, is over the hill and um, it it would ni- it would be nice to have someone in that, that chair that was a little bit more creative. But this is what we have. And I think it's just understanding that without creativity, nothing is going to change and the opportunity with a lamella ball and whoever we end up drafting this summer, that opportunity is just going to go by and you're going to max out at what? 50 wins. Maybe, maybe like, right. Maybe, I mean, maybe like if, if, if all those absolutes yeah. fall yeah, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's, it, it just ownership is the best competitive advantage in the NBA and the NFL and professional sports really. And, and usually Usually, I think it boils down to certainly it's nice to have an owner with a lot of money that that helps, and I'm and Charlotte doesn't have that. But usually, it falls back on willingness to be creative and take risk. And I, I just, I just really wish that there would be 
a moment of epiphany uh, for somebody in the front office to realize that because as bad as it might seem, you know, for this franchise and, and this roster and the direction it may or may not be going, but you know, you, 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 there are a lot of bright spots and, and the opportunity is there. Um, so going into this, this off season, I, I think it's big, you know, you, you own your first dra- round draft pick. It's going to be a high one. Um, you own a one from Denver. Doesn't look like it's going to be great. You've got a good chunk of cap space. You've got three players that should absolutely be traded, two for sure, before the deadline, Plumley and Oubre. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity coming, but you, but you really got to go through every possible scenario and dig deep into those scenarios of, of what, what that could present, what opportunities, what chances, what risk-taking chances that could present, all those, all those assets. So... You know that's that's broad. That's like zooming way out fifty thousand foot. But uh, but if that makes any sense, BG, I just think creativity is so it, important it, for this. It's huge, office. and not to totally backtrack, but you bringing this up makes me think about this. Like watching the Pacers this season and seeing what Rick Carlisle, another guy like Steve Clifford, that's been around the NBA for a million years, is like a well-respected veteran coach that won a championship, is coached differently in different situations, but seeing what the Pacers have turned into this season, seeing all of these guys have career years, man, uh, Halliburton, certainly the biggest name, but Miles Turner. I saw Aaron Neesmith put Jared Allen on a poster last night. Um, Rick Carlisle has been like cooking something up, and I think he's leaned into that by playing fast, shooting a ton of threes, and and really giving guys like Halliburton and Ben Matherin a, a lot of leeway and freedom to, to drive the offense. And so like, I think Steve Clifford could do something. You could you could find something similar um, in Charlotte, if not this season, maybe next year. But maybe get it get it rolling this year. It does feel like the front office they've just taken the wrong type of risks. It's like the risks the last couple of years. Like there was a lot of risk in the Gordon Hayward deal, you know. But it was a lot yeah. of like downside bad risk. It was like if this doesn't go well, then this contract is going to be a problem. Well, it it. When he's played, he's been very good, but he has not played all that often uh, while in Charlotte. So, like, that's been the thing that sort of like capped them to an extent. It's just the type of risk they've taken has been a thing to get them from bottom dweller to like backside, you know, back end playoff team. When I think the risk yeah. they should be looking more towards is maybe like a little bit lower risk, but like greater rewards. And you just got to be a little bit more patient and take more chances to get be successful doing that stuff. And my thing, younger, younger exa- players, exactly, BG, yeah, like, exactly, sorry, yeah. but, but to qualify kind of the risk I'm talking about, like when you, yeah, when you sign a, a, a veteran, you know, over the age of 30, that's got uh, injury history and you damn near max him out. And on top of all that, you, you stretch another player on your <laughs> roster for three more years on, on your cap. Like, Yes, that is that was a risk, but it was yeah, a bad exactly. risk the moment yeah, it happened, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like, like overpay for a twenty-five-year-old guy who's shown some real yeah. flashes, right? If like that yeah. kind of pa- thing. Like, the, the Pacers took a chance to even acquire Tyrese Halliburton, right? Like they they had to That's move right. an all-star yeah. center on their roster to even to even get this guy. So, like, I mean, they saw an opportunity, and that that front office historically has done a pretty good job of. Of taking some swings in the draft or uh, in the in the trade market, getting Victor Oladipo, 
uh, in, via trade, getting uh, Tyrese Halliburton a few years later in a trade. And I guess you you know you brought up Lamelo, and it makes me think. We've talked a lot about him on this pod, obviously too. But with a player that's so that it, that uh, with a player that is unique and that is special and has this this uh, fun and exu- like plays like, this fun set of skills that plays this exuberant uh, go go pass pass. It's style of basketball that you would get a player like that and that you would then try to build just like the most like rote playoff team around him. Do you know what I mean? That like you got him and immediately we're like, okay, let's go. Let's just, let's build a, let's build a, the seventh seed around him. You know, let's go get Gordon. And we, we've litigated this too many times at this point. Like, I think I, I understood some of the player dev um, reasons why a guy like Hayward would help. Um, I think sometimes we still see flash moments where you see the, the payoff there of having a guy like Gordon. And I think in the 2021 draft, you saw them, you saw Charlotte think, okay, we got to get some like athletes to pair to pick with LaMelo. So Kai Jones, JT Thor, like you could see, you could kind of see the vision and that vision got really blurry this off season in 2022. And there was a lot of bad stuff that happened this off season. And I guess my thought would be, because you have this extension coming up with Lamelo, and like, I think that's going to happen at six oh one p.m. Right? You know, it's just going to be boom max extension for the the fun max, as Brian Windhorse likes to call it for Lamelo. My hope would be that the next time you have to answer the question of how are we building this thing around Lamelo, it's going to be way trickier than it is now. Like this is this is the set you 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 went all in on the first window, right? You, you signed Gordon Hayward. You stretched Nick Batum to do that. You extended Terry Rozier. You did that. You did that. You know, you push your chips in. And this is where it got you. And now you have another chance. You can look in the mirror and you can make some hard decisions and say, this didn't, you know, this didn't work. This didn't work. Hey, this kind of worked. Why did this kind of work? Okay, well, how can we how can we put our brains together to try to add to this or to use something, do something similar to this or to build off of this? And that's where the creativity comes in, I think. And um, anyways, this is a huge offseason up ahead for Charlotte. And certainly like what happens the next four months is going to ultimately determine is going to you know, determine where they are in the draft. And, and that's going to be the biggest thing. And um, so, yeah, I would just say get creative, play the young guys as much as you possibly can. And, and hopefully you find a pathway to all of a sudden in June 2023 or July 2023, you're looking and saying, no, 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 I see the vision for next year. I like this collection yeah. of young guys. There's opportunity for growth. And they're just, you know, they have some agency here. It's like there are things they can do to get to that point. And um, let's just see if they're willing to to take into, to lean into it and to, to get creative here. Because again, the opportunities are available. Totally. You know, and building that asset base. I mean, there's a lot of young players on this team. You know, I think how they use their salary cap space this summer is going to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, you could certainly, depending on how the draft goes, you know, you could lean in on, you know, taking on some bad money for a year or two um, with a player that also provides some kind of veteran. They, they just presence. seem so adverse to doing that. You know, it like, I mean, I'd lo- yeah. I mean we've been, I've wanted them to do that for so long now. And maybe they would try it, but they just yeah. seem like, like name me a veteran a time they've done that. You know what I mean? Uh, where, where I mean, like, I guess yeah. maybe the Plumley deal, but 
you know, because which they used to get a draft pick, you know, which turned into JT Thor. But like, I can't think of another time where they've really been like, no, nah, let's take on some like bad salary. Let's use this to get picks and stuff like that. But but maybe that maybe that changes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean, that that seems like the most logical way to kind of build up your asset base um, to position yourself for, for an opportunity, you know, kind of like the Knicks, I think I've tried to mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, with the with the Dallas Hall, and you know, it hasn't quite come to fruition for him, but I, I still think there's an opportunity there for the Knicks at some point. But yeah, how is Charlotte going to build the asset base to win that net? You know, Lamelo keeps improving, the roster improves around him, the youth comes along, the wins start to increase, increase, increase. The the next available, you know, top thirty player is like, you know, I I would go, I I think I take this team for forty five wins to yeah, fifty five, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. like. So you can either, you know, pay a second draft guy, a younger player who's been in the wrong situation, you know, but but with a good opportunity could really accelerate who he is as a player. It, you go get that in free agency, more along that age curve timeline of LaMelo and the rest of the roster, or, you know, you, yeah, you, you collect assets by taking on bad money. I mean, those aren't the only two options, but they're the ones that jump off the page. Um, I at you yeah, first. we'll just say this was a yeah. few minutes ago, but James Helton in the in the in the chat did mention a good uh, a good signing that Charlotte. I think you know, he mentioned them going to get Dennis Smith Jr. That was a, that was a nice little mm-hmm. signing. I think getting Theo Maldon was a nice signing too, right? Like those were both solid. I I do think, and we saw Isaiah Joe last night for Oklahoma City. Charlotte could have had Isaiah Joe, and he's been, I mean, he's been had a nice season for the Thunder. So, like, he was there as well. Um, they opted to go for Maldon instead of instead of Joe, which I, I think I would have preferred Joe, but Maldon, I think, has, has shown some stuff too and looks like to be a guy that, I, you know, Charlotte's probably played him more than they were envisioning this season for a two-way guy, but yeah. he's a nice young talent to have in the room. I, I like, those are those are such, I mean, it's not easy to do that stuff. But those are the kind of moves I'd like to see more of, like finding those second draft guys like that and getting them in the building. And I think both guys have probably outperformed expectations so far this season. Um, the DSJ has just been, uh, you know, the injuries have just unfortunately plagued him a little bit. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. I mean, those those have been great moves. They've been feel good stories, certainly. Um, you know, Charlotte's kind of served as a as a landing spot for these guys to almost kind of re- revitalize their careers, really save their careers. Um, I guess like the the risk I'm talking about, like what what New York did with their cap space to go get Brunson, yeah. I think that's more of the example of what I'm talking about. You know, like it's it's I still think it was an overpay, but he's been really good for mm-hmm. them, and he's he's kind of kept them afloat, and kept them competitive in a market where you really need to be that. And and while they still have these these draft assets over here that they can they can cash in at some point, you know that's where I would like to see Charlotte maybe over go find a young player. That makes this team better and fits with Lamelo and overpay a little bit. Use the cap space if you're not going to take on bad money to get more assets. Then then use the cap space, you know, a, a, as a as a as a risk. Are there right? any are there any uh, assistant coaches looking for jobs in the NBA that have a a son of theirs that's set to hit free agency that you could maybe uh, <laughs> bring bring the dad in the door and add him to the coaching staff <laughs> and then use that as a lever to uh, to to get the son in uh, in the room, but just like. That like the yeah the thing, yeah. The, the thing with Brunson is like like of course he's helped out like they got a guy that creates advantage in the half court and like Charlotte just yeah, doesn't man. really like 
that's the whole point of of this conversation we're having is like they need more guys that do that right now they have i guess kind of lamello you know they yeah. certainly you know you really don't get that from terry on a consistent basis so like that's the thing like those are the kind of guys i'd love to see them um also like go more in on or like creators too like that's really where i think you should if you're gonna spend some money you do that honestly like i think that's part of it too is like you find other guys that can help you create half court offense because they've been uh dismal i mean they're 29th in half court offense this season so yeah totally that that's the target yeah bg i mean there's no question like and i I don't think it's they have a lot of wings on this roster we'll see where the mcdaniels things go but with thor i mean like one more offensive creator next to Lamelo, and now like a JT Thor might yeah, have Ky- amazing utility yeah. on the Kai Jones, yeah. amazing utility on this roster, right? But like when it's just Lamelo and and them standing around, not sure really yeah. what to do. Like it just it's not going to yeah. work. So yeah, it, it, I mean this risk on a on a younger ish player in free agency, if not this summer, the next summer, yes, it, it would be it would be a guard or a, a high yeah. level. High yeah. level wing, or who knows? I mean, look, maybe they end up with with Scoot or one of the Thompson twins in the draft this year, and you know you're gonna have to be patient if it's the Thompson twins. But ultimately, one of those guys could be the one to pair with Lamelo. Uh, so yeah. you know, I don't know. A lot remains to be seen. But anyways, I think we're gonna go ahead and try to wrap uh, try to wrap up here. Thanks again for joining us today. We appreciate the support and ask that if you like our pod please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. I'm Brian, I listen on Spotify, so uh, that, that's a good place to do it as well, too. But um, once again, thanks for tuning us in. Happy New Year to everyone. Spencer, Happy New Year to you and your family. Richie, Lee, everyone who tuned in today. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll catch you guys next time. Go Hornets. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. (laughs) Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.